this truck has naughty words. Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? Welcome to today's episode of the Sexy Selfish Podcast. Today I'm chatting with Dana Del Alessandro, if I'm saying that right. And she's a certified teacher and coach who helps women reclaim what their anxiety has stolen from their lives so that they can confidently and authentically fulfill their highest potential. So Dana and I connected on social media back when I opened my Sexy Selfish account, so about six months ago, and we've just been, you know, watching and connecting and chatting and seeing each other's journey, and just Dana just writes writes the most amazing Instagram captions. They're so inspirational. So, you know, at the end of this podcast, you're going to grab her Instagram handle. I highly suggest you go and follow her journey, and, you know, the words that she writes are just so powerful. So Dana's career ambitions have always been from, you know, a service-driven point, but it wasn't until she overcame personal battles with anxiety, depression, and trauma that she gained the strength and confidence to do it on her own terms. Her mission is to empower, educate, and shift women who feel stuck in negative patterns or past circumstances and who are paralyzed by fear, anxiety, or judgment. She wants to coach women who know they have a greater purpose but don't know how to organize their journey. As an intuitive empath, she coaches her clients through various techniques tailored to their individual experiences and learning styles because we all learn so differently. What makes her unique as a coach is her ability to create and teach as well as ask powerful questions and she really does I know you guys are gonna love the podcast that we've done today and it it ended up in a completely different direction than we expected I really thought we were going to talk solely and focus on anxiety but we ended up talking a lot about um, Dana's story becoming a mother and we even delve into both of us and our network marketing company's journey. So we've both used network marketing as a vehicle to create the businesses and the lives of our dreams. Um, and that's something that not a lot of people talk about. They either talk about as the failure of network marketing or the being really successful. And, you know, we've kind of got a bit of a different perspective on that. And we discovered that chatting to each other on the podcast. So let's get stuck straight into it. Um, so excited for you to hear from her. She's got the most amazing accent as well, all the way from New Jersey in USA. So let's bring her on and get to meet her. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Dana all the way from New Jersey in the US. She is a teacher, a coach, and a creator, and we've been connecting over through social media over the past couple of months, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. So why don't you come on in and say hi, hun, and share a little bit about how you've ended up here today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. 
Um, so again, I, we have been connecting through social media. I love your Instagram. It always makes me happy. It always makes me say yes. And, um, I, so how I got to where I am today being interviewed by you as a, as an anxiety coach, um, I had quite a journey here and, um, it started out, I was a writer. I, you know, I graduated college, had all these ambitions to be a writer and somehow decided that I wanted to transition into teaching. I did not get your standard teaching job in a classroom, but I wound up teaching in a jail for six years. And in that jail, I encountered a lot of mental health professionals social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, and the like. And it really evolved into a position where I was working with them um, in an educational aspect, but more in a kind of counseling coaching role because they needed more than education. Um, I was there for six years. Then I had my daughter. I took a little bit of a break. And now I currently work um, part-time at a rehab, um, doing some case management, helping, the, helping out the clinical team. And what I realized in this journey after you know struggling with some postpartum anxiety, um, I was here, and after dealing with my own you know, anxiety, depression, uh, some trauma issues. Um, I was able to realize that I didn't need to work with people that were kind of at their rock bottom to validate my service to the world. Um, I hope that makes sense. But um, yeah, that totally so, makes sense. <laughs> um, and it was only through actually network marketing. I started network marketing that I found a coach who um, had helped me more with my anxiety, my depression, and you know some traumas that I had experienced in my childhood. Um, helped me more so than any psychiatrist, psychologist, you know, therapist that I had ever had in my life. And I had been in therapy. I would say. I think at the age of like 11 or 12, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and, you know, ADD and stuff and put on all types of medication. And I was kind of just like put through the ringer um, with all of that stuff throughout my life. And it wasn't until recently um, working with a coach that I felt that I was able to start a healing journey. And after I feel like I worked with her for a while. I felt, you know what? I am a teacher. Let me go on and help women who are in the position that I was, that feel the same way I felt and let them know that, you know, they don't have to do what they don't want to do. There is hope for them. There is life without anxiety or not necessarily without anxiety, but there is healthy coping and healthy management of your anxiety and of those thoughts that just, you know, paralyze you. Um, so with that, with the money that I was making from network marketing, I got my coaching, uh, certifications and I've been, you know, 
kind of evolving as a coach for a while. And I am specializing in anxiety currently. That is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And, you know, I don't think we ever expect people to talk so openly about working within that like um, type of correctional facility environment. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I love that you're so proud that it's part of your journey. I'm not quite sure why we do have that kind of stigma attached to it, but I just like, thank you so much for sharing that because it is so unexpected, I guess, to now be working as an anxiety coach with women and kind of having that background of a teacher, writer and working in that environment. And so you mentioned network marketing as well. Tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, seeing that as a vehicle to help you get you where you wanted to go. Cause so many people I think see network marketing and they think, you know what, I don't want to be um, doing parties for the rest of my life, but actually treating it, as just a like a journey to get to another destination how how was that different for you so i actually started doing it as a favor to my best friend she um she started selling this product and i bought it from her to you know support her and then i was like you know i'll have a party and i wound up having a party well i wound up loving the product and um and I wound up having a really successful party. And, you know, um, anybody who's been around social media, you know the kind of, I don't want to say pressure, but just kind of like the nudging into becoming uh, whatever it is they call it. In this in this case, it was a brand partner. So, you know, you need to be a brand partner. And I was like, no. And at that point, I was still in that space of like, no, I hate people. I will never do this. I can't stand being like, I'm never going to do this. And one of my friends was like, you know, I actually think you can. So I listened to her. I did it. And I actually, something went off in me and I, and I really went on, I went and did it. I did it full force. And what I loved about it was connecting with people and that people bought things from me, but it wasn't necessarily the product. It was because they kind of trusted me. And the things that they were saying to me, like, well, if this was someone else, I wouldn't buy it. But because it's you, I'll consider it. And I know that you're a straight shooter and I'll give it a chance. And so it was just making me feel like, you know what? Maybe the way I look at myself under this very harsh microscope isn't actually the way I'm perceived in the world. And to know that gave me great confidence. And then I met a coach online and started working with her and she really helped me heal and just dig deep in this journey. And once I started working with the coach, I started realizing, you know what? I don't think I could get behind this product for the long haul. And so I started kind of using it as a catalyst to still get those connections and still, you know, get that check. (laughs) But um, I wound up using that money to pay for my life coaching certification. And I still stand by the product 100%. It's Miriam. I love it to death. And I, I like really love the people that I worked with, but I don't, it's just not where my passion lies. So it was just kind of a catalyst to 
a catalyst on my journey, you know, a part of my evolution. And, you know, I think that some women, they don't need to stay there forever. They can use it as kind of a jump off <laughs> to figure out something that they may have not known about themselves and discover something about themselves that they may not have known and that they can do. I love that. It is, it's such a kickstart. It's like, it's the first thing that gives, you know, especially mums, they're getting involved yeah. in a network marketing because it's the first thing that gives them permission to do something for them. It's kind of this opportunity to go to meetings and to go and socialize with people and be part of a really positive community. That's not sitting at home in, you know, watching Care Bears with their toddler. It's this whole new world and it's so exciting, but I love that it is, you know, for you and for me, it is just a part of our journey and a part we're really grateful for, but that we can also acknowledge we're growing as people and we can move on to go and create some other epic shit for this universe, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So tell me more about like transitioning and working now as a coach and you know, what are you, what are you helping women with? What are you so passionate about with your coaching? So my passion is really to um, reclaim what your anxiety has stolen from your life. And I feel like a lot of times we just lose out on some major, major amazingness because we are too busy dealing with our anxieties, overthinking things, you know, being super critical, um, having all these, you know, spiraling, projecting thoughts of, you know, catastrophe. And um, what I like to do is really work, I work with individuals and I've done some group coaching. Um, so I've had some specializing uh, specialty group coaches um, that focus on self-confidence, um, finding joy as opposed to seeking happiness. Um, and also the main one that I'm, that I'm going to be coming out soon in September that I'm going to be doing a group coaching experience um, is reclaiming what your anxiety steals from you. So in that, what I like to do is work with women and figure out what type of anxiety, what archetype they are challenged by. And I think that, you know, anxiety is a big word. It's a general word. And there are specific types that, um, you know, we struggle with. And I've identified some of those and also identified some strategies in coping for those specific types of anxiety, some being business anxiety, self-centered anxiety, um, then there, um, what I feel also is that there are four main components of our lives that anxiety steals, and that's gratitude, purpose, connection, and positivity. And I think that if we reclaim those four major components, um, we just have a way better quality of life and we're able to accept love, self-love, accept love from others, you know, let go of dwelling on the past and fearing the future um, and really coming into our true and authentic purpose and releasing those external um expectations that we have from others and that we have from growing up and stuff like that. I love that. I absolutely love, especially when you said about letting go of 
kind of living in the future. You know, I'm someone I've suffered with anxiety and my whole problem was I was just always living tomorrow, always living the next week, always living the five-year plan. And I never enjoyed anything because I was never in today and in this moment. And that's kind of what the majority of my anxiety looked like, was always trying to be prepared for everything that could possibly happen. What did, what did your anxiety look like? Like, what, how did that affect your life and, and take things Ooh. away from you? <laughs> oh, Lord, it, it really it really took so much away from me. And I don't want to sound like, like I am grateful for my life prior to healing from my anxiety, but it really took away a lot of connections with people. Um, like I was just paralyzed by rapid thought and catastrophic projections. So I just lived in a constant state of fear and I also had what I like to call happiness anxiety, where I was deathly afraid to admit that things were going good or that <laughs> something good had just happened to me. So I would constantly be like, well, yeah, my vacation was great, but, you know, there, I tripped and stubbed my toe, so it, was, it wasn't amazing. Like, just, just always adding that negative always always going to that place of like i couldn't i couldn't say that it was great i couldn't say that i was great because then it would just go away that you know it was i was almost like waiting for something to go wrong constantly and i remember actually having a conversation with my dad like and saying like you know it's just easier to be miserable and it made sense at the time. It was easier. You don't have to do anything. You can blame everything on your anxiety. You can stay stagnant. Yeah, and that's easy, but it's also wasteful. And, you know, I had, my social anxiety was horrible. I was terribly codependent. I needed someone to constantly be with me. I did not want to go anywhere without someone else. Um, that's my daughter, my three-year-old daughter. <laughs> I pretty much was living in that state of three years old. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, was, it was mostly tough for me, but it was a lot more tough on the people around me, I would say. And thank God I was blessed with like a good sense of humor. So I kind of had this self-deprecating humor where I could make fun of myself and also make fun of other people and connect with people on that way, which is super cheap and super terrible, but it was the way I maintained my connections and my social, you know, presence was by just those that self-deprecating humor and just also connecting with people to kind of, you know, that point and laugh humor, that like kind of bitch humor. Yeah. And it's definitely that mirroring um, type of thing that women, especially women do in, in like Western society, we do, we connect by finding things in common and often or we don't have a lot of things in common. It's really easy to just do that point and laugh type yep. of humor or connect on a, on a, on a bitchy level. Um, for me with my social anxiety, I could food. I just kind of hid oh. behind food in any social situation. Um, and you know, I've worked through that. I'm working 
through that. Mm -hmm. And now I have some amazing supportive friends who I actually don't have that anxiety with. And it's such a relief, but yeah. And that's like, that's we open up the conversation about genuine connections. It can be really, really difficult. So how did you kind of like overcome that social anxiety? So honestly, I just working with my coach and her just giving me these practices of just small steps, just really, really small steps that worked for me and almost just driving the point home that I am not as important (laughs) as I imagine myself to be to people. And that is in a good way. It is like I walk in a room and no one is looking at me the way I imagine them looking at me. Um, And just introducing the idea of genuine connection over cheap connection and bonding over something positive and choosing not to engage in that negative connection um, or either, you know, either like diffusing it by not participating in it or diverting it by kind of just putting a different perspective on it. Um, That helped me so much. And honestly, I can't pinpoint it on one thing. um, But once you realize that people will judge you no matter what you do, whether you're aiming to please them or you're not aiming to please them, that is, and and truly believing that and living by that and knowing that you're going to connect with your people and then, you know, those people that you don't connect with, it's fine too. But, um, just understanding that really helped me. I don't, that was the the moment for me. Um, and I think I've really started to overcome that social anxiety was when I, because mine very much about my, my body image. I feel like everyone's staring at certain parts of my body that I'm not happy with. And it took yeah. me going out to a play cafe and looking around and going, you know, there's so many women in here that are so happy and they're bending over playing with their kids in the ball pit and their ass cracks hanging out. And, you yeah. know, they're not worried. I'm not judging them based on how they look. I'm thinking, look at that amazing mum. I'm not thinking about her bum crack, you know? Yes, yes. And it's just realizing I don't judge people based on their looks. So why would people exactly. waste any time thinking about my stomach, my muffin top, or how my thighs are rubbing together so there's a hole in my jeans? People, I don't give a shit about what other people look like. They don't give a shit about me. And it's like just that release of pressure where you can actually start yes. living your life again. And you realize too, like, okay, I, that is so true. And that just, you just made me think of something that I was like, okay, so I look at people on the beach. I like with their, with their clothes or like with their bathing suits. And if someone's like overweight, I'm like, damn, go girl. That's amazing that you want to be, you know, that you have the confidence to, you know, I don't pick them apart. And even just in, in not even on the beach, not even just, just in, in reality, like in, in all, in everyday life, like I am not judgmental. I am so welcoming and accepting of everybody. And there's people like me and the people who aren't like me and the ones who do judge, like who do judge and who do say like, ill, she looks disgusting. Like that is not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of them and their issues with themselves. And I think once I made that shift in my head, that 
look at the way you look at people. It's not with that, you know, judgment and disgust and wanting to, you know, bring them down and tear them down. It's, it's never like that. And there yeah. are other people like that. And the ones who aren't like that, like, who cares? That's their issue. They're, they're low vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I went to an event and what was it? it was actually earlier this year. God, it feels like a lifetime ago. And it was a personal development weekend and it had one of the most biggest transformation moments of my life because um, the, the speaker, Garen Jones, you can find on Instagram, he made us do half an hour of just looking into each other's eyes. And it's probably a technique that's used in lots of development workshops, but it completely broke me inside. And I just cry and cried like a little baby because I was looking at tall people, short people, wide people, thin people, people of all different races and different backgrounds. And I was looking into the eyes of people that were homeless and I was looking into the eyes of people who were complete, like I'm not even joking, multi-millionaires. And you just see the same, like it's just eyes. Like there was no judgment. I just thought every single one of them just had the most incredible soul. And that I really try to hold on to that feeling and remember that in any social situation is just remember mm -hmm. they're not judging me. I'm not judging them. Just remember the eyes and yeah, so that's a, that's a big moment so for me. I don't yeah, know, have, our connection, just we are really all connected. And there's so many things that have happened in our life, in our culture, that cause us to feel the disconnect from others and to focus on what separates us. But if we focus on what is the same and our sameness and our connection, like, that is where you, you know, you have that real connection as opposed to that, you know, cheapo, gossipy, bitch fest. Yeah, yeah. And stopping the gossip is something I think as a community, it only takes one or two people within a small community to just not buy into that gossip. And it's mm -hmm. just someone taking that second to go, oh, let's talk about something else. Or, oh, you mm -hmm. know, that's not really fair. And you can change the complete direction of a conversation and it just makes people think for an extra second, mm -hmm. um, which I could talk about community and connection forever because it's something I'm super passionate about. But I'm, I'm really curious to know for yourself, how do you feel, did your anxiety change around becoming a mother? Did it present in different ways for you? How did becoming a mum affect that part of your journey? Well, at first it amplified it like totally amplified it. Coming out postpartum was a really, really challenging time for me. I, I want to say that I cried for about two months straight every single day, all day. Um, it wasn't depression. Like I kept saying, like, I don't want to kill my kid. Like, I don't want to drive into the ocean. Like, that's not what I'm feeling, but I just can't stop crying. I felt like I was doing everything wrong. I was having a complete and total identity crisis because I went from being kind of like, yes, I did have anxiety and stuff, but I was a free spirit. I was free to kind of do whatever I want, be wherever I wanted to be. And then it just quickly shifted into this, like, I can't even leave a room without being responsible for this like tiny human being. And so that challenged me a lot. It challenged me. It challenged my husband. It challenged my poor mother who moved in with me for a month and really kind of took over. 
Um, and then they convinced me to go get some medication, which I had been just on a personal level. I'm not against medication for others. I was on it for a good portion of my life. And when I got off of it at around 25, I was really adamant about never taking it again. But at this point, I felt like it was really, really my only option. So I did go to a doctor and they gave me a low dose of what is like, I think it's like Celexa. And um, it helped. It helped me stop crying. Um, it really did. And I kind of got it together. I got into therapy. And then, oddly enough, in, with my postpartum therapist, she recommended me to see a psychiatrist who misdiagnosed me with bipolar. She spoke with me. Yeah, this is a whole nother topic. She spoke <laughs> with me for about like 15 minutes and was like, oh, well, we should put you on some mood stabilizers. It sounds like you have bipolar. And I was like, I'm sorry, not to insult your intelligence, but I've been in the mental health profession for about a decade and I do not have bipolar and I will not be taking mood stabilizers. And I was just very, very taken aback by that diagnosis and also fearful for women who are not as educated as I am in the mental health field and in, you know, mental illnesses that would just kind of take that doctor's word and then start taking mood stabilizers. So I felt that that was another big catalyst for me becoming a coach um, because I'm not in the place to tell someone that I'm not, I would never diagnose with someone. I'm more in the, in the, the arena of like, Hey, let's try to do this by changing our thought process and, you know, disrupting your, um, you know, the flow of your anxiety and just figuring out like the roots of, of these thoughts and stuff. And like, maybe we can do this without medication. Like people, I feel like are so very quick to diagnose themselves and be diagnosed with mental illnesses. When I think at this point in, our culture, there's a lot of other things that we could do besides, you know, take a pill. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, I've never been on medication for mm -hmm. my anxiety, but um, something as simple as like my skin, I've always had the most awful hormonal acne, and I've been on different rounds of antibiotics, I've tried different nutrition programs, etc, um, etc. Et and I was the healthiest I'd ever been, and done everything natural I possibly could. And my skin just wasn't getting any better and it was a trip to the dermatologist where he's like look your option is to keep battling this for the next 10 years or go on a very very intensive prescription medication for six months and I'm someone I don't like medication in my body I'm like I don't even take contraception like, I want my body to be as natural as possible because mm -hmm. that's how I feel my best as a human and I had to make that decision um, to take some really hardcore drugs um, for six months and it did, it completely changed everything, but it's just making sure people go into those conversations with their doctors, just well informed really. Yeah. And also trusting their own body and their own instincts. Like, you know, your body, body better than anyone, Absolutely. you know, and you just have to kind of be an advocate for yourself in those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that wasn't even the, the question you asked. So I don't know why it went no, there. <laughs> I love exactly where the questions are going or exactly where they need to go, I think. <laughs> I think so too. But no, I love that we've spoken about that, especially touching on that medication thing because it is such a, um, you know, you're still being made to feel like your mental health is a cop-out sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm battling with an eating disorder and I've had people tell me that, well, don't you think that's just an excuse for being lazy, that your metabolism's damaged? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. you should just be focusing on being healthier. I'm like, I think the issue is a little bit deeper than that. And then I usually avoid talking to that person again. But anyway, yeah, we could, I'm sure we could spend hours, hours talking about, um, you know, that side of things. But I am curious to know as well. What, when did you realize, like, because obviously you're a mom and you have very passionate and had lots of career kind of direction before becoming a mom, but after becoming a mom and working through your own, um, you know, issues postpartum, when was it that you really felt called to do more? Like, because a lot of women as moms, we have this, you know, I'm a mom and that's my life mission and everything. And for you, you know, you're an incredible mom, but you also have this mission to be this incredible coach. When did you? realized that you wanted more um so when i started getting um deeper into my faith um i was always a spiritual person and then i started doing um again i had uh i worked with a coach rachel luna okay she is she's girl confident um on instagram she's incredible and she did this um her it was called faith activated journaling experiment. So what it was, was just a bunch of journal prompts and um, group coaching that she would do with us once a month. It's, it's actually still going on. And um, I was in the process of, you know, becoming a coach and, and this evolution. And once I started to do the journaling experiment, I started getting very, very into, um, just spirituality and faith and realize that there is, we all have a purpose, a God-given purpose. And we have to kind of silence the noise of society and others and ourselves to find that purpose and follow that purpose and trust the process. And once I was able to do that, that's when I kind of started having this forward momentum and this faith in myself and my purpose. So the confidence came from me really truly believing that we all do have a meaning and a purpose in this world, whether it be to affect two people or two million people, it doesn't matter. And once I put that aside as well, that it really doesn't matter, um, you know, how many followers you have, how much money you make. I mean, obviously we want to eat, you know, pay the bills and eat, but, um, once you focus more on the service and less on the money, um, things just start happening for you. Yeah. And I hundred percent agree. Like when I first started my coaching business, I was sure that I was going to be doing business coaching because, mm-hmm. you know, I have three businesses. That's what I was super passionate about. And a part of me knew that that's how you make a lot of money because people will invest in business coaching because they know that there's a tangible outcome, right? Like people are already making money. They put money in, they get money out. And I never expected kind of yet yeah, to be called to actually work with mums. And I kind of felt that calling about, you know, month two into my business 
And it just kept like giving me these little soul nudges. Like you need to do this, Shona, you need to do this. You need to. That's so good. Yeah. Like the universe is just sending me little soul nudges. um, Just saying you need to step away out of thinking you want to run this multi-million dollar ginormous business coaching empire. Like that's not what you're here to do. You are here to empower mums to start finding their joy again. And that's how you're going to impact you know, the next generation, the next generation of women, that's how you're going to have change. But it took me a long time to start, like you said, quiet the noise and actually mm-hmm. listen to those little soul nudges. Yeah. So yeah. So starting your business and, you know, you mentioned you're still working within the rehab facility and you're building this business at the, at the same time. What's kind of been some difficulties you've had to overcome so far with your business? Um, the difficulties I would say are, um, again, I, I'm going to use the word balance. I don't, um, I don't truly believe in balance. It's so funny because one of the girls in the business course that I'm taking, she, it's like, that's her main thing is like, stop using the word balance. Like there is no such thing. It's always going to be out of balance, but, um, for lack of a better term, the balance between having a job, starting a business, having a family, Um, I think that is just the main struggle for everybody is just feeling spread too thin. And um, I love that. I actually said to my husband a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I feel like butter scraped over too much bread. You know that feeling when you're just trying to like make the butter get to the edges of the sourdough and corner, please go to the corner. And it's just not happening. I think so many of us feel like that because we have this unrealistic idea of balance. Yes. Yes, because it's. I think once we release the idea that we have to have balance, it becomes a lot easier. And I think also what I struggle with the most is being upfront about how much this means to me and trying to express that, like, I, I don't want to feel guilty for that you know, like you love your family, you love your kids so much, but it's a different kind of love and it's a different kind of pull, you know, there it's, it's just a completely inexplicable pull and feeling. And it's hard to express that without kind of, I guess, feeling guilty and, you know, feeling like you're not being present enough and, you know, a, a good enough wife, a good enough mom, um, and also a good enough employee. Cause I am still currently employed by a company, you know, and trying to get in as much as I can and, you know, still be a good employee as well as be self-employed. So it's a struggle, but I have to say that I wouldn't trade it for anything. And with faith and support and just, you know, just knowing that I'm not in a race with anyone. I don't have to catch up to anyone. I don't have to burn out because I don't need to do more than I feel I can handle because there is no competition when you are creating something. Um, I think that really helps me. Yes, I love that. And it's something my clients come up a lot. They're like, but you know, there's already so many coaches who are doing this. So there's already so many people selling blah, 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 product. And I'm like, but people need what you have to offer. You don't need to worry about what anyone else is doing. You just need to do you. And 
trust that what you're putting out there to the world is the right Mm -hmm. people are going to find it. So what's been your worst mum life moment? What's been your toughest mum life moment? Oh God. Um, Let's see. My toughest mom life moment. Let's see. It, I think it's a tie. <laughs> it's a tie between like the identity crisis, you know, that, that postpartum um, identity crisis where I was like, who am I? Am I allowed to like listen to this music anymore? Do I still like this? What do I like to watch on TV? Do moms do different things than I did before I had my child? Like, am I still allowed to have a glass of wine? Like, you know, just that like whole, um, I guess societal, like, you know, they look down on you because you're a mom and you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's like, I feel like, I, I feel like that's kind of being, being broken down a little bit. And I'm very appreciative of that, that like moms are not just moms. They're not just like, you know, Carol Brady. They are, they go out, they get drunk, they say fuck. And like, it doesn't matter. Um, but so I I feel like that identity crisis and (laughs) we can, if we want to get really real, um, my daughter has issues with pooping and I am constantly, constantly getting so frustrated with her over this. And I have tried everything, every old wives tale, everything that anybody has ever told me in daycare, my grandparents, my grandparents, grandparents, like what they use. And when I tell you that nothing works, nothing works. And so... I find myself, that is one of my hardest challenges in motherhood. And I, and I thank God that that is my hardest challenge at this moment. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. Because <laughs> so many times we don't talk about the toughest moment. The toughest moment for me is around pooping as well. My son, he's autistic and he didn't toilet train till four and a half. Yeah. Um, whereas my daughter self-toilet trained at 18 months old. And same thing, I was doing everything right. I'd gone and seen pediatricians. We were working with it with three different therapists Yay. to try like every app, everything, because he couldn't start kindy until he was toilet trained. So everything, our entire life, our entire everything was held up because my like he wouldn't poo. And they're it, scared. For some reason they're just scared. They're scared. Yeah. Like I was still changing nappies on a four and a half year old. And I do. I thank God that that was the worst problem I've ever yes. had. But yep. it all came down to a friend of mine gave him a pair of Spider-Man jocks and told him you better not poop in Spider-Man. Um, and suddenly he was toilet trained. Like that's all it took. And then I spent months after just like going, why was that so hard? Why did I turn that into such a big thing? I should have. And then there was all that beating myself up going, I should have just kept it fun. This shouldn't have, I shouldn't have turned this into such a gigantic thing. And it probably would have happened a lot easier. Um, and then, yeah, it actually turned out my son and my daughter toilet trained at the same time, even though they're two and a half years apart. So it ended up being a blessing. I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. And so between pooping and eating, that's my biggest, my biggest struggle is like, you know, she's very picky with eating. And I think, you know, that in turn affects the whole poop process. So, but again, like I, you know, I'm not complaining about it. I am 100% thankful that 
this is what I'm, what I'm challenged by right now, because I, I see the world of, you know, possibilities that things could go wrong with children. And I know that I'm blessed by this. Yeah. I'm blessed by this. (laughs) It is. It's being grateful and appreciative that this is all we have to worry about. But at the same time, not devaluing the shit that you're going through in your life because to you, you know, and and I would say this all the time within my large network marketing business, all excuses are equal. And Mm -hmm. often people would feel like I was shitting on their excuses and saying that's not valid, but it's, it, it didn't mean that it just meant that, you know, what you're going through is really relevant for you. And then someone else going through, you know, childhood care, that's really relevant for them. All excuses feel real to the people experiencing them. Um, My gosh, that is so true because I have clients who will be like, well, I know that like, I didn't, I didn't like, I wasn't like abused as a child and I wasn't this and that. And I said, you know, what I tell them is that we each experience, you know, we all experience trauma. And just because, you know, you don't have this, um, you know, horror story about, you know, being abused or something, you know, horrible happening to you, witnessing a murder, something along those lines. That doesn't mean that the micro traumas that happen to us along the way don't contribute to our anxiety if they're not processed properly and we just internalize them. So like, that is such a, you know, that's just that, um, piggybacking off of like what we're saying, like, you know, oh, well, I'm just glad that I'm thankful for these challenges because I see, you know, the major challenges that moms have, but again, not to, not to, you know, devalue what we're going through. Exactly. Like it's not a competition. I think we're all, we're all allowed to have our shit days and it doesn't matter if, you know, your shit day is a diagnosis for your child or your shit day is the fact that they dropped three liters of yoga on the floor just after you mopped. Like we're all allowed to have our shitty moments. Mm-hmm. So what, what advice would you give to a new mother? Like if you're putting yourself back in those, that situation, what advice would you give to a new mom? Um, all right. Let me see. Let me think. Let me think. Um, what would I give to a new other? Um, I would say don't counter transfer your anxieties and fears onto your baby. Um, these babies are much more resilient and strong than they, than they appear to be or we imagine them to be. And also, don't ask too many people for their opinions. Um, we as mothers, we have intuition for a reason. And I feel like each child is placed with their parents for a reason. I love that. Absolutely. And I feel that's the not opinions thing. That is so important because yeah, like stop asking for advice. You don't need advice. You don't need the books. You, you just trust your gut. But at the same point is everyone has an opinion and don't, value other people's opinion more than your own opinion this is what we we kind of what we're I'm sorry excuse me like what works for one child it may not work for your other for another child so it yes they are giving you their opinion and what worked for them but just because if you implement that and it doesn't work for you that doesn't mean it's wrong you know it just means that that's not working for your child we're all so we're all so connected, but we're all so unique as well. 
I love that. And the, the, this is the, the problem I see with this is the, the Facebook online mummy support community. Uh, I feel like there are, there are so many benefits to it. But at the same point, I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed and women are on there asking like for relationship advice. They're asking for advice on what car seat to get. They're posting a photo of their child's rash on their private yeah. area on social media asking for advice. And there's this part of me that just wants to shake them and go, why are you asking random strangers on the internet for advice, which is just thinly veiled opinions on your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, stop, just stop yeah. it. <laughs> it's, you know what I think it's that, it's that need, it's that sense of community that's lacking and that connection that people are searching for and they just are too afraid to do it in a different way so they connect on this level and it makes me sad because it doesn't have to be this way yeah yeah like that was a world before social media back in like 26 years ago and my mom was in mom's group they caught up face to face they did things if there was if their child had a rash they just went to the doctor you know Yeah. yeah so i do think we have to focus more on the tribe and community with its right place within social media, but also we need to take it offline and get that real heart-to-heart connection Mm -hmm. back. So what advice would you give to someone creating their very first coaching business? Oh my goodness. I would say definitely quit the comparisonitis, go through your social media, go through your Facebook, anybody who makes you feel like you need to be them or be in their space, just unfollow them for a while and go with what comes to you and what you feel you feel compelled to create. Don't base your business off of someone else and what someone else has achieved. Um, And you know, there is no race. There is nothing, you know, you don't have to catch up to anybody or keep up with anybody but yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm tagging so many of my friends and my clients in the podcast just for that sentence that you just said about like stop following people who are in your space yes oh my god I feel like it would solve so many problems for women if we just like you know we follow people for inspiration but at the same point Mm -hmm. we find ourselves kind of morphing into what they're doing what they're doing because we want to be as successful as they are and it's just like just stop right now just create create from a place of your soul's work Mm -hmm. and it will be a lot easier In life too, even if you're not in a business, um, it's one of the first things I tell some of my clients, I call it my uh, media detox. And, you know, you just need to take an inventory of the feelings that come up when you are scrolling. And if you are feeling jealous or less than or not inspired, you need to just delete that person. You are not contractually bound when you hit that follow button. You can just unfollow someone and it's okay. Yes. Yes. I so much. Yes. Right now. You can't see me, but I'm like, I'm like got my hands up to the ceiling. Like, yes, queen. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just mentally noting a couple of people I need to actually go and unfollow as well because yeah. And it's funny how, you know, what you, you used to be inspired by sometimes can now give you those negative feelings and it's, yes. you know, you're in charge of that. It's, and it's okay. social media. Yeah. Just go it's on okay. and follow. <laughs> Give yourself permission to have those feelings and just deal with them and, and don't be mad at yourself. It's natural. It's okay. You're still I love fine. It. Our chat has been fantastic today. You know, I've got so much out of it. I know everyone listening is going to really connect and resonate with it as well. So if 
you know, finishing up what we were talking about, because we could literally talk for hours, I'm sure. And I will, you know, call you and we will have social chats for hours. <laughs> where can people find you? If they're resonated with what you're sharing with today, where can they get a hold of you? Where can they find more? Where can they, you know, look into your course that's launching in September? Where can we reach you? Right now, I am the biggest Instagram fan. I am going strictly through the gram right now. I have someone working on my website, which I, it would, should be out, I would say like in the, you know, in the middle of August, but right now it's just Instagram. So if you resonated with me at all, you can just follow me. Um, it's just by name. It's Dana, D-A-N-A underscore d-a-l-e-s-s-a-n-d-r-o so that's dana underscore dalessandro perfect and i will put all your links and etc information in the show notes in the bio on soundcloud so people can check it out from there well dana thank you so much for chatting with me today i've had a ball i love all the topics that we didn't intend to cover but somehow we ended up chatting about i think those are actually the you know the more important ones for people to hear so exciting. I had such a great time. I thank you so, 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 so much. Great. Thanks, everyone. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave me a little love note by tagging me at sexy underscore selfish. To check out more of the Sexy Selfish podcast or to grab some of my little goodies, head on over to the freebie hub at www.sexyselfish.com. It's totally free and it's jam-packed with hours and hours of content for you. Thank you so much for being here with me today on the Sexy Selfish show and showing up today to become the best version of you. I'm sure you got so much out of today's episode and I know that I really did as well. If there is someone in your life who would really benefit from hearing this episode and some of the things we shared about, please share it with them right now. It's as easy as just sharing the link and you could literally change someone's life. Remember, it is time to stop delaying your happiness.